0: Hold your hands, close your eyes, here we go. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us sinners. Amen. Amen. Alright, welcome back. Thanks very much for staying strong in the cold weather. We'll try to remember everything we've done before and then go a little farther. You know, we probably, we probably want to go another five or six weeks or so, and then um, it'll be Easter already and time to join if you're interested in that, so... All right, here we go. This is all you need, all you need to know. This is all, everything we've done in five or six weeks. You could do just in one page with Winnie the Pooh. You got it? Ready? This is great. I have been foolish and deluded, said Pooh, and I am a bear of no brain at all. You are the best bear in all the world, said Christopher Robin, soothingly. Am I, said Pooh, hopefully. And then he brightened up suddenly. You sem guys, that's Systematics 1, 2, and 3 all together, just in one place. That's all you need to know. You should get credit for Systematics 1, 2, and 3. It's all right there. You recognize this, right? I've been foolish and deluded. I, a poor, miserable sinner. This is exactly what... You, in fact, tomorrow, Pastor said at 11. Now, we don't want to do this at 8.30 because I'm young and... Or I'm old and crusty, and he's young and fashionable. So at the morning at 8:30, I'll just use the hymnal. But at 11, you could use this for confession. Everybody, we could put this in. I mean, talk to the district president, see how it goes. Okay, just check it out with people who are. Um, come on, you're not even fully vested in the pension yet. It won't matter to your future. So I've been foolish and deluded, which is a. Was a I a poor miserable sinner, right? This is exactly, this is, this is confession that I am foolish and deluded, and I am a man of no brain at all. If you had a brain in your head, you wouldn't act this way. And then Jesus. You are the best bear in all the world. Absolution. Regardless of what you've done, or how foolish you are, or if you're brainless, You'll spill it all out tomorrow. And Jesus will say, you're just the best. I always loved you, and I still love you, and I'll always love you. Welcome back. I'm foolish and deluded, and a bear of no brain at all. You are the best bear in all the world, soothingly. So if you went to confession over... uh, before Christmas, right? Um, the whole point of confession is that you would leave soothed. You know, I often say to people, my goal is to leave with a smile on your face. Right? You come and you spill all your sins, I'm foolish, I'm deluded, look what I've done, and then the pastor absolves you and soothingly, if it's not, if it's not in the way of consolation, of forgiveness, then it's certainly wrong. So. Um, You're the best bear in all the world, said Christopher Robin soothingly. Am I, said Pooh, look at this, hopefully, right, hope, because now there's nothing between you and God, and nothing between you and anybody else, so then your future is marked by hope. Hope goes with forgiveness. Hope goes with love. Right? Hope goes with faith, faith, hope, and love, these three. Am I, he said, hopefully, as if he could hardly believe it. And so tomorrow you'll kneel down, and then Pastor Witt will forgive you, and then you'll say, well, that couldn't possibly be true, but I hope it is. It must be because the service is going on. It must be true. Now think back, like so many things, Jesus speaks realities. So all the way back to where we started in In creation, Jesus speaks eight times, let there be, right? And it happens. And then Noah's Ark, eight people in the Ark, you're saved. And so they are. Or on the eighth day, circumcision of children, Jesus says, you're now a full son of Abraham. And people say, welcome to the children of Israel. And so, you'll come tomorrow, and you'll say, uh, I'm a damn sinner. And Jesus will say, I love damn sinners. And then you'll say, really? And he'll say, yes, you should wake up and do some good. And he'll push you. You remember, uh, this was in Christ. And so, Necros, he started dead. And then Jesus says, you're alive. And you say, am I? And... All of the joy that you have in living in the church. And so I should probably just do one thing at a time. Am I, said Pooh soothingly, and then he brightened up suddenly, instantaneously. And so you should think about yourself in that way. It's very difficult to do for us to believe in ourselves the way Jesus believes in us, but that's part of the fun. Now hopefully over the past few weeks, months, you've discovered that this isn't just about saying things, or just about believing things, or just about doing things. It's all those things together, that we agree with Jesus, that's faith. So you remember way back we talked about this, faith uh, agrees. So whatever Jesus says, that's what you say too, and whatever Jesus does, that's what you do. And whatever Jesus thinks, that's what you think. So faith agrees. And Jesus says, you're baptized, and you're my child, and you're in Christ now. And that's the church. This is to be in the church or in Christ. And our whole goal now in life is to figure out what it means to live inside. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean when Jesus says, follow me? What does it mean? What does it mean to, as Paul says, have the mind of Christ among you? Right? What does that mean? And that discovery uh, is worked out in very, very practical terms. And there's probably nothing more practical than forgiveness. Now, just as a reminder, this borderline is the Ten Commandments. Oops, I'm going to slip out of commandments. That'd be a bit law-minded. We'll use the Hebrew, the ten words. So you know what's in, and then you also, this is inside Christ, outside Christ. Our trouble is is that we're so attracted to things out here. And all of us then touch those things from time to time. And you remember uh, the basic definition of Christianity is, uh, Romans 12, for example, touch good, don't touch evil. If you touch evil... You give it incarnation, you give it life. So, the gospel is touch, touch, and it is to touch good. And that's the Christian life, to touch good. Now, unfortunately, you know we touch evil all the time. It's so easy and attractive, pleasurable, and vindictive, and wonderful and powerful. And so, we've read a couple of stories then about what it's like to be forgiven. And you remember then, uh, we did the prodigal son, which I suggest to you would be the only story you would need. The father scans the horizon, looks for his son, and the son comes back and he tries to make a deal. He tries to make excuses, he tries to explain. So you'll notice tomorrow, um, Pastor Vitt will not leave you any time to explain yourself. You'll just kneel down and say, I'm foolish and deluded. He doesn't leave time for you to explain why you were foolish or how you could have possibly been deluded. No, he just will let you say, I'm foolish and deluded. He'll say, I knew that about you already, and then he'll forgive you. So just like the prodigal son, there's no time to make excuses. You can have excuses or you can have explanations or you can have forgiveness, your choice. You can have one, you can have the other, but you can't have them both. That's the great insight of the Reformation. But Jesus does it all and gives it to you as a gift. So, prodigal son. And then we did the woman caught in adultery. Jesus is there to forgive her. Everybody else goes home. Her great struggle is to love herself. To believe that what Jesus says is true. And often, you know, you'll find that true about yourself. You'll do things or say things that you can't really believe you had inside you. That's a startling kind of day but even that can be forgiven. So, that God is a Father who forgives, and Jesus died for all your sins. As I said to you once before, Jesus takes away your sins, don't take them back. But then we come to the point of what we do with other people. So grab a Bible if you can, Matthew chapter five. So first book of the New Testament, Extra credit for anybody who gets the page first because everything in America is a competition, as you know. So, and this will be good for you because tomorrow's coming and you'll need to be ready. So, a couple of ways, a couple of things to think about when it's time to forgive other people. What's so interesting about us is that we so often just pick the text we like, and we sort of work through as if none of the rest mattered. But there are these, these texts that are a bit prickly, and um, it would help us out. What is that? Go ahead. Is it Matthew, 10? Matthew, sorry, five. 5. Just half of that. <laughs> 23. Page. What is it? 809. Are you in the big print though? No, I don't think so. 809. No, I that's don't think, I could too. <laughs> Frankly, that's so small, I can't tell if it's big print. That's what, <laughs> yeah, it's what, yeah, my life is, yeah, that's yeah. where I am in my life. So, you know, what the heck. Me, I, I know. know, it didn't help. The two blind men were tapping, tapping down the road. Yeah, right. So, Yes, right. So Jesus is, you know, off to the races here. In, in uh, Matthew 5, with the Sermon on the Mount, he's got ideas about everything. But one of the ideas he has is about how you should come to church tomorrow. Tell you a story. I think this is sixth century, I think, maybe seventh century. I, I know where I can find it if I need to. But there is a story. Oh, this is, I shouldn't, should I tell? Yes. Well, Well, I have to always, by the time I fuzzy it up enough, you know, who knows if the story still works? Mary, I'm going off, I'm going off, I'm going off, uh, offline for a second. So in the early church, there's this famous story, and I think it happens about the sixth century. It's in Ehlert's book, um, Eucharistic Fellowship. We can look it up easily, but it was common practice that the priest or the bishop would say to the people, now, remember, this is gonna happen tomorrow, peace be with you and also with you, right? Or and with your spirit properly. So the priest is saying, peace be with you from Jesus, And the people reply, not and also with you, because that's your common street greeting. And with your spirit is the way you greet the pastor, because the pastor has the spirit of God put on him at his ordination, which he's going to deliver to you. Peace be with you. And the people say, we'd like some of that, and also with you. Or he could be saying, I love you, and they're saying, love you back. All this is going on at one time. Then this priest turns to prepare the altar. And Technically what would happen is he would go to the first person here and say peace be with you and also with you and then you'd go to the next person the next person the next person and the peace would go all the way around the room while the priest prepared the altar and only when it came back to this person who would say to the priest peace be with you and also with you then you could have a holy supper because everybody has made peace with everybody else I forgive you you forgive me I love you I love you back. So, this famous story of the priest turns around and the peace is stopped between two old guys in the back who don't like each other and won't forgive each other and won't shake hands and won't give the peace. True story. And so the priest finally leaves the altar, goes down in front of the whole congregation, says to him, Really? Really? Because you're holding up the whole show here. Come on, you said you would for better, or for worse, and frankly, this is for worse, but what are we gonna do, right? Really? (laughs) Finally, he reconciles them, and the peace goes all the way around, and then, and only then, can they have the Holy Supper. Why do they sit next to each other? What's that? Why do they sit next to each other? Hey, why do you sit next to the people you? I've seen who you sit with in church, okay? (laughs) Think about it. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Stop. I'm going to turn off. Thanks for being patient, Mary, wherever you are. So, um, you know, this whole idea that you would actually for really, really forgive people, right? And this all comes out of Matthew 5. Really, I was going to go there. This right after you say, don't call anybody a fool. Because if you do, you're going straight to hell. Just calling somebody that, right? 5.23. So tomorrow when you come to Mass, Matthew 5, 23, if you are offering your gift at the altar, so tomorrow you, you've come to bring your gifts. You bring yourself, you bring your family, you bring your sins to be forgiven, you uh, bring your support for the church, you bring your love for other people. If you show up tomorrow morning, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and you come to church, and you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. It was extraordinarily difficult. You can't go to church unless you've forgiven everybody and done your best to make things right. That describes hardly any church I've ever been in. But these are the sort of things that we sort of gloss over because, you know, we have big time political ideas about who to vote for in the next election. And, you know, there's also, you know, positions to be filled all around the Senate, And we couldn't, we need to spend our time organizing and, you know, and, and. If you're not good at this, you can't do that. If you're not faithful in little, you can't be faithful in much. This is the most basic thing that happens, is that you come to church in order to be forgiven and to forgive other people. Now, you can't make other people accept your forgiveness. We'll talk about that in a moment. But as far as you're concerned, you're in control of your own life. And so for you, and for me, the point is to be forgiving. The point is to forgive as in, I forgive you. Tomorrow when you come here, I really, really mean it. You know, you dump all your sins here. And the unforgivable sin that people are always so curious about is the one that you hold back out of God's reach. The only sin that's unforgivable is the one you take home with you. If you bring it here, Jesus is going to forgive it with the words of Pastor Witt, I forgive you all your sins. You're the best bear in all the world. But if you take it home, you're on your own. It's unforgivable because you won't let Jesus forgive it. It's really that simple. And there's a hundred reasons why you'll take it home. You can't really believe. You're still really mad. It's fun to hold a grudge. Pick something. But, you know, here it is. Matthew 5.23. If you come to church tomorrow and you've still out of trouble. should get busy with that. Now, if you need more instruction, turn right in your Bible about six or seven pages to Matthew 18. These are verses that everybody in the church quotes and almost nobody does. And when people do it, everybody gets offended, like this is such weird <laughs> behavior. But, here we go. 18 I think it's 15, isn't it? Yes, 15, 18, 15, right? So a little bit of expansion on what we just saw from Matthew 5. If somebody sins against you, if your brother sins against you, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now, just in that single sentence, you can see how weird this is. Marge, although you can't even imagine. Marge is the nicest person. You might be the nicest person I know, Marge. It could be. You could be the nicest person. I'd have to think to think of somebody else. Let's say Marge had a bad day, though. You know, sinned against me. You can see how theoretical this would be. What I expect is what? What do I expect as I wait for Marge? What do I expect Marge to do? What? You she should come over here and apologize right now. Because the longer I wait, the worse it gets. The worse you get. Wait around a little bit. You know what I'm going to do? Tell Elizabeth. Because then Elizabeth's not going to like you either. I'm hoping Elizabeth tells her whole table. Now we got power. Nobody likes you, Marge. Yeah, I know. This is all I said, theoretical. (laughs) It's not going to happen everybody's gonna like Marge better than me. I knew that going in. But you see how this works, right? If you, you know, Jesus knows how it's gonna work if it goes the other way. What Jesus asked me to do is go to you and say, ah, that really stung. To which you, this is where full Marge would be, full Margeness would come into play. You would say, I'm so sorry. And you might even say, I never knew I did that. To which I then say, What? You are the best bear of all, (laughs) March. Am I? said March hopefully. But you see how different this is from the normal way we do things. I can tell this story out because this is my story here, so I could tell it here. I had a guy in the congregation once who's spiritual gift, was causing trouble (laughs) in other congregations. In fact, his goal in life was to get bad pastors thrown out of the ministry. To which I said, of course, who decides who's a bad pastor? To which he said, I do. So he was notorious for causing trouble in other people's congregations, because they're bad pastors. I already explained this. (laughs) So he told me once, the district has this new program that I'm completely against, and they're rolling it out in this congregation on Sunday at 4 o'clock, and they've invited anyone who wants to be part of it to attend, so I'm going to attend. To which I said, You're not really invited because you don't want to be part of it. To which he said, this is evil and I must show the truth. And then I said something which I very rarely say. I haven't said this five times in the whole time I've been a pastor. As your pastor, I forbid you to go. Hmm. So on Monday, not on Tuesday, on Monday, I get a call from the pastor in that congregation. What is up with you sending this guy over here to disrupt this, my congregation and make everything crazy here? I said, Well, you know, one, now this, I forbade him from going. <laughs> and two is, you know, he's wrong. And then, of course, what happens? What are you going to do about it? To which I said, Nothing. Wasn't satisfying. Why are you going to do nothing? I said because if I do something, it will help less than doing nothing. If you poke, prod, engage, dissect, continually return to some things, they only get worse. Like you know when that seventy-eight dollars went missing. But I and I think I gave you this quote earlier at Absolution. As Henry Nowen says, sometimes when there's a sin, we just step over things. What time do the Packers play tonight? 7:15. 7:15. they play the Chiefs. I can tell you what's gonna happen, it's gonna be a close game right down to the end, and then the Packers will need to score at the end because they're the underseed. And what'll happen is in the last 42 seconds, you know, they will throw a little something out to the corner and I can't do it to you because I don't know you well enough, but since this is my wife for you who don't know, this is how the Chiefs defender will be on the Green Bay Packer receiver. The ball will be coming, and there'll be something like this. Okay? No, you don't lean in, that's not what, you just like it. (laughs) Reflex. And then you will say, what will you say? You will say what? It should have been, it should have been a flag to which I will say, I will say, it's a no call. It's the last 60 seconds of the game. They don't call anything in the last 60 seconds of the game. It's a no call, which I would advise many of you to employ next time. Nice people like Marge inadvertently sin against you. It's a no call. If you do this under the way of the law, Every time you are sinned against all day long, your life is gonna look like one of those evangelism programs from the 70s where you're knocking on everybody's door and saying, do you know Jesus? And if you do, how come you sinned against me? You're gonna spend all your time. I mean, imagine if Kirby all day long just told me all the dumb things I did. It'd be all that we talked about instead of all the other things we talk about all the time. It'd be exhausting. Make everybody else really angry too, right? Yeah, you make everybody cranky. Just, just, here's what I want to just say. Just take it easy, okay? Keep your powder dry. Yeah, There'll be a time and a place, but don't make Jesus a legalist, okay? Jesus basically says, come on, we're going to church tomorrow. Let's get things cleaned up, right? Then you say to yourself, hmm, are there any big ones I need to clean up? If there are, go clean them up. If they're just, you know, a bag full of small stuff, bring it along and chuck it over the rail. Pastor Bitt will forgive it, and then you can go home clean. And everything's going to be fabulous. Look, it's right here in the text. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, You have gained your brother. Isn't that great? Everything's square. Life's good. I love you. I'm sorry. This is beautiful. We're all good. Life's good. Thanks for playing along. But sometimes he doesn't listen. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Look at this, look at all the things that are going on there. First, um, take one or two other, not 10 or 20. Take one or two others, and these are people who are given to rationality. These are witnesses. So you don't take your best friend and your spouse. Take somebody legit. Your pastor's busy, try to work down the food chain if you can. Take the president of the congregation and an old governing board member, or, you know, take an elder. Take somebody who's honest, who has some experience in life and in forgiveness. Take somebody who cares about Jesus. Take somebody who, what's the goal here again? What's the goal? Forgiveness, forgiveness to gain your brother back. Take somebody who's interested, is not in scoring points or in keeping people out, so there's somebody here who's just right on the edge, and the whole point is to get them back in, not to keep them out. Get them back in. And say, hey, you're baptized, you're a Christian, you used to be like this. Your sins just aren't good for you. It'd be nice for you to touch some good. Come back to the Holy Supper. Take two or three witnesses with you, calm, quiet, rational, gospelly." Now, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. This is kind of higher level stuff. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, you have experience with Gentiles and tax collectors. We've met them along the way as we've gone. How does Jesus treat Gentiles and tax collectors again? When he meets one, what does Jesus do? You know, like, Matthew, the tax collector, right? Or the, what's that? Yes, right. And so to treat somebody like a Gentile and a tax collector is to realize they need special handling. That is they don't know anything. They apparently have forgotten the very first thing about being a Christian, or maybe they don't care anymore, or maybe they think they don't need it, or maybe they've got bad habits, or maybe they grew up in a church that was always cranky. You know, you've got to... You're going to have to spend some time here. If they're a Gentile and a tax collector, we'd want to be careful with how the gifts are given out, Holy Supper, you know, how we, but it does not mean to hold people at arm's length from the gospel. It does mean to pull them near. We have funny ideas about Jesus, but one of the most interesting things about him is his ability to forgive people who, are hurting him desperately. Like that guy who's putting the nails through him. Father, forgive him, he doesn't know what he's doing. No idea what he's doing. Or you, when you hurt him. Because when he baptized you, he thought you were all square. Jesus thought when he resurrected you, and then he moved you into the church, and he gave you his holy supper, and taught you the creed, and gave you the ten words, and said, see you later for eternity. He thought you were all squared up, and life was beautiful. Yeah, but sometimes we forget, right? Just, just be careful. You know, just be careful. People need, sinners need deep care. They've got a lot of bad habits, like you, like me, and they need a lot of special care. And if you're going to err, err on the side of love and not on the side of hate, as John Kleinig famously said here once, We want mercy for ourselves, but justice for everybody else. That's a great quote, right? We want mercy for ourselves, but we want justice for everybody else. want the gospel for ourselves, want the law for everybody else. This is the great inversion of that, right? All right, grab a catechism so you can see how it kind of plays out here. You want to go to um, 25, page 25. Okay, so, um, this is uh, all the little things you should know. So what's confession? Now, you know, don't despair. We've been together, you know, six or seven times and we're only, we're not off the first page of the service yet, but don't worry the pace is gonna pick up here pretty soon. We're still on page one. So what's confession? Confession has a couple of parts. Has two parts. First, that we confess our sins. Now, And second, that we receive absolution. So first we say, I'm a damn sinner and these are my sins. It's just the fact of the matter. This isn't any sort of, uh, you know, imagination involved here. This is, these are the places I've sinned. You have the Ten Commandments. Um, You know, as private confession goes, I've lived as if God did not matter and as if I mattered most. My Lord's, first commandment. My Lord's name I haven't honored as I should. That's the second commandment. My worship and prayers have faltered. Third Commandment, Um, uh, uh, I've not loved others, and what particularly troubles me is. So confession is first that we confess our sins, which means, and we did this when we talked about the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments. You have a good look at yourself according to the Ten Commandments. Is God always first? Do I always use His name well? How are my prayers? Am I in church? Do I tend Scripture? Do I go to the supper? And then, do I love others as myself? The balance of the commandments. So, first confession. And second, we receive absolution. This great word for dissolving. For Jesus dissolves your sins, or he takes them away, or he scrubs them away, or he washes you clean, or he, you know, there's all sorts of ways you can talk about this. That is forgiveness. We see, receive absolution, that is forgiveness from the pastor, as from God himself, and we did that um, you know, especially in this community, especially when I came not community, I mean by Wheaton. One of those, there were always breakpoints in this class. This was one No man can forgive my sins. Tomorrow, you'll notice Pastor Bitt will not say, um, I understand your sins. He won't say, I assure you that your sins are forgiven, the kind of evangelical, Presbyterian, Methodist way of saying things. I assure you you've been forgiven. No, he's actually going to say, I understand forgive you. This is some remarkable stuff. Now he's going to say that after he says he was called and ordained. He's going to say it wasn't his idea and his call came by FedEx. He's going to say, this is your fault. I didn't think of you. You thought of me. You asked me to marry you. I didn't ask you to marry me. And we did from John 20, on Easter evening, Jesus breathes on the disciples and says, you know, if you forgive sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive sins, they're not forgiven. Go forgive some sins. And then when they got old and died, they found the next pastor and the next one all the way down to Vit. You know, there is that in Rome. Is that St. John Lateran? There's pictures of the popes all the way around. And you know, there's only about places for four or five more portraits. The tradition is that when the last portrait is filled, the world ends. Hey. Sorry for putting your picture up there. Brought everybody closer to their eternal death. (laughs) And life. First we confess our sins, then we receive absolution, the forgiveness of sins, from the pastor as from God himself. I forgive you all your sins. It's not his idea. Frankly, you know, we'd like to hold back some forgiveness too, just for leverage. But, you know, no, what we're supposed to do is forgive everybody. As from God himself, And not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. So when you get done tomorrow and stand up, God and Pastor Vitt and you and the congregation will all agree that your sins have been forgiven. Just like the woman caught in adultery. Jesus and the community and the woman herself. Everybody's going to agree. You stand up, you're completely forgiven. What should you confess? Before God, we should plead guilty of all our sins. Now, when you're younger in the faith, this will seem a burden to you. In fact, even a bit embarrassing. um, Because you don't really want to believe the stuff that you've done. And you're not used to admitting it. And so it seems a bit tedious. As you uh, grow more mature, get older in the faith, you can't wait to get rid of your sins. You can't wait to admit them. They weigh you down, they trouble you, they keep you awake at night. You know, you just can't. It's like, you know, it's like slapping mosquitoes, right? You just, you can't get rid of them fast enough. So you can observe that in yourself. Before God, we should plead guilty of all our sins. You can have them all. You can have them all. And even though some of them seem delightful, you remember the put your nose in the slicer? Some seem delightful, right, having an affair. It seems delightful drinking too much. It seems delightful doing all the other things that we do that are horrible. It seems delightful for a while, but later, it's nobody's idea of a good time. So plead guilty of all your sins, even those you're not aware of. So you say to Jesus, hey, this is really troubling me, and I can't believe I did that, and, you know, I never want to do that again, and take everything I've got, even the ones I don't realize, um, but before the pastor, we confess those sins which we know and feel in our hearts. So this is private absolution. If you go see the pastor, this is, I, you know, I have a theory on meetings. Now that I don't go to any meetings anymore. My theory on meetings, there's a couple of things, I, theories I have on meetings. Among them is, people don't really go for the topic at hand. They go because in a big congregation, it's a chance to get personal time with the pastor. Right? You get in a, in a group of 10, you actually get to express what you want to say to the pastor. Let me just say that Pastor Witt would rather see you in private absolution than in voters' assembly or even in an elders' meeting. I mean, if you had your choice, you'd rather be at the altar one-on-one. If you want some time to get to know your new pastor, you should kneel down and you should say, what particularly troubles me is I've I've been... And then, if you want, for the first time, you can at least do this and see if he flinches. <laughs> what? Yeah, but it just, it's just... I have stone face, son. Um, you're there to... He's there to get to know you. This is often like people, you know, who... You know, you know it's like if you went to your doctor for your annual physical, and you wouldn't take your clothes off. You're kind of like, we can get a few things done here, but, you know... For the rest of it, you're on your own. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit by that. You go to your pastor, as Pastor Nelson would love to say, spiritually naked, and then he'll say, well, you know, we probably should, you'll need a new knee, and we've got to need a brace on the elbow, you need two teeth over here that need to be pulled, and frankly, where are your glasses? It's me, I'm over here, not over there, right? I mean, this is, this is how it works. Now, of course, for that to happen, Pastor Vitt will need to show you that he cares for you. Uh, but if you go, you'll find out that that's true. And he cares for you most when he says what Jesus says. But there is always some time in there where he can say, um, what should I do now? Or why do I keep doing the same thing over and over again? Or does the church, can the church help me? A great example, for example, is how you, how you stop having an enemy How do you stop having an enemy? You pray for them. So my normal prescription for people who have an enemy is that you pray for a morning and evening. You pray that God would love them, forgive them, bless them, sort them out law and gospel right, mercy them. And then someday, you do that every day, and then one day you'll wake up three months or three years from now and you'll say, I forgot to pray for them. I haven't prayed for them in weeks. And then you'll know you're cured. Right? So the church has ways, ways to push you through. Again, you know, Pastor Nelson is quite good at this. People who come and say um, there's something demonic going on in their lives. The very first prescription is go to church every Sunday for the next month and say your prayers every day for the next month, and then come back and see me. Because it just could be something as basic as you're not paying any attention to Jesus, so you're letting the demons in the door, right? It's classic kind of stuff. Anyway, the church knows a zillion ways to help you get better, and part of that is private absolution is part of that. You remember, you know, for you who are Lutheran and think this is a Catholic thing, you remember in our confessions it says... Uh, the Catholics say to the Lutherans, you don't have private confession anymore. And the Lutherans say, au contraire, we go to confession more than you do. What a weird thing for Lutherans to say. Right? Especially Lutherans nowadays who always think this is you know, something weird. But, consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt somebody with your words or your deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, and done any harm? That's the kind of things you should ask yourself. And you should do this every day. I mean, in the evening, classic, before you go to bed at night, the classic way to go to bed at night is to review your day. This is, actually, the church knows that you're a bit sleepy. This is different than evening prayer, or this is different than um, your morning prayer when you're bright and ready to go. Classic last thing of the day is to lie down, make the sign of the cross, name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and just for a moment think about your day where you were wronged by others and forgive them, and where you have wronged others and wish to be forgiven. You name these before the Lord, beg forgiveness, say the Lord's Prayer, make the sign of the cross, and go to bed. Classic stuff. But we don't sort of learn that kind of um, practical thing anymore. It's a shame. But nevertheless, you have your chance now. The next page or two, 25 and 26, uh, uh, on to 26, is just a short form. You can can, um, kind of look through that and do that on your own. Go to the middle of 27. What is the office of the keys? All of a sudden, you know, there you get a new thing. The office of the keys, what in the world is that? Well, you remember, um, Jesus gives to his disciples the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He talks about that once. You have the keys, which is you can open and shut the door. Boop, boop. Peter, you often see, or Peter's flag even, St. Peter as the Pope, you often see him with a key in his hand. Why does he have a key in his hand? Because he would love to forgive your sins, and open the door to heaven. That's what he would love to do. And so often the symbol of the key is a symbol of forgiveness, or so the office of the keys, It's just you know, the thing that Pastor Bitt will do for you is he will open the door to heaven for you. The office of the keys is the special authority which Christ has given his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners. So repentant sinner is you come and then Pastor Brute will meet you at the church door, and he'll forgive as many sins as you bring. Bring them all. He'll forgive them all. Hold one back. He lets you be on your own there. That's not good for you. Don't do that. Where is that written? Or Are you making this up as you go along? No, it's right there in St. John the Evangelist, chapter 20. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whew. Must have been quite a moment. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. Simple as that. Forgive them and they're forgiven. Don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. What do you believe according to those words? I believe that the called pastors of Christ deal with us by his divine command. So this is just like you. Faith is to think and see and say and do as Jesus thinks and sees, and says, and does. It's the same for pastors. They have particular things they're supposed to do, so do them, for goodness sakes. I believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with us by divine command, in particular when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation and absolve those who repent of their sins. You see, those are two sides of one coin. You forgive the sins or you don't forgive the sins. In our our confessions, there's a Example, I think of, I think they use St. John Chrysostom. He says he stands before the altar as people come forward for the Eucharist. He says, You can kneel down, you can kneel down, oh, you can't go. You can kneel down, nope, you can't go. Only if people have confessed all their sins, then they can go to the Eucharist. Quite remarkable stuff. If we did that, you know, you should try that. Be curious to see what would happen. Mikey will eat it. Yeah, Mikey will eat it. Yeah, there's people of a particular age who understand what that is. Right? Yeah, you could try it tomorrow if you want. I'm going to be away at the 11 o'clock service. There's all the new stuff going on tomorrow. Write me a note. Tell me, tell me how it goes. Hopefully from still within the church. When they exclude and when they absolve, those who repent of their sins and want to do better. That's how confession is. I, I want to be forgiven and I want to do better. The pastor may even ask you, do you want to do better? Of course I want to do better. What are you, crazy? go on like this anymore, it's making me. This is just as valid and certain, even in heaven, as if Christ, our dear Lord, dealt with us himself. There you go. So this is meant to be a normal part of your life. Come and see your pastor as you need him. Come to church and kneel down, say you're a bum. Uh, Be assured that when you say you're a bum, Jesus will say, ah, I love bums. You're my bum. I mean, that's what I say. I mean, Mike, you're a bum but you're the Lord's bomb, So, you know, we got a special handling. We all love you, right? You're fine. All right, questions about any of that kind of stuff? It's, uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. The execution is much more difficult. It's really hard to forgive people. Most churches fail abysmally at this. Uh, I will say, you know, here, we're not perfect, but it's actually, it's very nice. I think at least there's the at least the ethos of forgiveness, I mean it's what we're aiming at. And you know we try to publicly sort of you know I'll just say it to you so it is public, you know stay away from gossip, stay away from grudges, um, stay away from judgment. Uh, The Lord has got all of that he needs and more for people. If you want the congregation, if you want this church to be the kind of place where you can come no matter what you've done, where your kids can come no matter what they've done, you know, where your parents can come no matter how long they've been away, where your friends who are unbelievers or maybe even hostile to the church might come along and just get poked by the beauty of something the choir sings or the unbelievable thing where somebody says, I forgive you everything, love you in spite of yourself. Really, forgiveness is the way, it's the the top thing it's the only thing that's ever happening. I mean, every, every absolution is a little resurrection. Tomorrow when Pastor Witt says, I forgive you all your sins, he's raised you from the dead. This is remarkable stuff. And there's very few places in life, almost none. You know, what's been startling over the last 10 years is that forgiveness is not only out of style, it is openly rejected as an injustice. To forgive people. You see this in the media where people try to apologize for what they've done. And immediately the comeback is, that's not enough. Right? Can you imagine the church if we said, that's not enough? There's no end to the justice that the world demands. You can never make up for your sins. In the church it's exactly the opposite. They're executing Jesus, and with his last breath he says, hey, could you just, don't forget to forgive everybody. It's a startling kind of stuff. The more different we are, the more attractive we are. The more different we are, the more persecuted we are. Different and attractive and persecuted is the way of the martyrs. It all happens at once. You know, at the end of the day, you're holy or you're not, you're forgiven or you're not, you're true or you're not, you love or you don't. That's the church. Just have that, right? Just one place in your life. Have it and work hard to keep it. That's the whole point, okay? That's what you're trying to do. All right, thank you. Literally now, as you're planning forward, you know, we're gonna go five or six more times. I have to be away on the 16th of February. We've been taking one Saturday off, so I'm away on the 16th, but you know, it's a very early Easter this year. Is it the 31st of March? Yes, so it's just as about, almost as early as it comes, and Easter here is fabulous. I mean, it's just it's off the charts. Oh, it's unbelievable how great it is. So, um, but and Lent, and to, it's all coming right at us, so you should be thinking about if you're interested in joining, if you are, you should kind of get to me, we should talk things over, make sure that you're, you know, this is what you want, and that you'll Work hard at it as you go forward because it takes everybody to kind of make it work, okay? Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thanks, friends. See you next time.